tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 011. Hey, you guys. I just wanted to take a moment before we begin the interview and just say thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are so many great shows out there, but it means a lot that you've chosen to tune into mine. It's amazing that we get to touch hearts and share life together, even though a lot of you are listening on the other side of the world. What an amazing time we live in. Well, in today's episode, I'm excited to share with you best-selling author and my friend, Polly Gerth. She's going to talk and share some things from her new book, Hope Your Heart Needs. And I got to tell you, I was absolutely blessed by this conversation. As Holly not only shared from her own life and struggles, but she really took us to God's Word and and helped me see God in a brand new light and, and kind of come up with a new definition of hope. So I know it's going to bless you as well. Here it goes. Hey, sweet friend, Holly Girth, welcome to the living room. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Oh my goodness. I remember um, our first meeting you, of course, online, because we've never got to meet face to face, but uh, in my old podcast, and you blessed me so much. Um, Actually, my first, my first Holly Girth introduction was a little devotional that was based on your God Size Dreams book called Opening the Door to God Size Dreams. And you were, um, without knowing it, you were a companion to a work that God was doing in my heart and really has been over the last probably three to four years. So thank you. Thank you for all you do. Well, thank you. I was <laughs> honored to hear from you because I had read your book, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. And so when you sent me an email, I was I was in shock and honored to be invited. Uh, I just love what you let God do through you, Holly. There is such um, just a graciousness about everything you do and a loveliness. And um, well, anyway, and I'm, I don't know. I, I hope it's okay, but I call you my friend, Holly Girl. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you better. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Oh, well, you've got a new book out, and I'm so excited to share it with everyone. Will you tell us a little bit about it? I do. I have a new devotional called Hope Your Heart Needs, 52 Encouraging Reminders of How God Cares for You. So it's actually about the names of God. There's a different name of God for each devotion. And then how that tells us the ways that he cares about us and takes care of every detail of our lives. Wow, that is so beautiful. I love that approach. And it just happened to have 52, huh? Well, (laughs) it actually started out as a project in my journal. I didn't ever think it'd be a published book. I was just going through kind of a hard season in my life. And I thought I really need to remember like just who God is because everything else in my life feels like it's changing and he stays the same. So maybe you Mm -hmm. felt that way too. But the more I kept writing, eventually I realized, you know, this is turning into something more than just journaling. And I want other women to be able to know this too. And so Then I connected with my publisher about it, and we decided on 52 entries so that women could read it every day or they could read one a week because life is busy. So there's some flexibility there. 
I love that. I love it. And I I really like the idea of being able to live in one of those names for a week. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful way to approach it. You know, you um, part of the little description is understanding more of God's character and how he loves us changed your life and that you realized that you didn't have to settle for I'm fine when there was someone whispering to you in every moment, you're mine. Oh my goodness. I don't, uh, that just like when I read that line, it just resonated in my heart. Why do you think there's such a disconnect sometimes between what we know the Bible says, but yet what we internalize as really true in our hearts? I think because we're human and we're living in a fallen, broken world and things are not as they should be. You know, and so that means sometimes what we feel doesn't align with the truth. And I think we can feel a lot of shame and guilt over that or think, oh, I must not be a good Christian. But I don't think God sees it that way. I think he looks at us and says, you know what? I lived on that planet, too. (laughs) And sometimes it is just not fun to be there. And so I think he's willing to remind us as many times as we need it, that we are loved, that we're not alone, that he has a purpose for our lives. You know, I I love how the word said his mercies are new every morning. And I think that is because it's how often we need it. (laughs) At least I do every single morning. I need to remember all over again what's true. Mm, that is so good. You, um, the title is Hope Your Heart Needs. And I was really intrigued because I've actually been having a big discussion with the Lord about hope because, um, I think for me that that word has just felt a little ethereal, you know, like I hope that this happens or I'm hoping that God answers this prayer. And it's kind of more of a wish and a prayer. But I was just wondering, what does hope mean? What does it come to mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I really started focusing on hope years ago. I wore a ring with the word hope on it for years when we were going through a journey of infertility that lasted about a decade. And it was like month after month, hopes and then disappointment, hopes and disappointment. And so... I really wrestled with that word too. And I asked God, like, what does this really mean? You tell me to have hope, but every time I do, it feels like I just fall down and smack my bottom again, you know? And I realized that hope isn't about an outcome. It's about placing our trust fully in who God is and what he has for us. And so I stopped praying. I have hope to have a baby And instead saying, I have hope that God is good no matter what, and that Mm. he's going to fulfill his purpose for my life. Because Mm. our stories don't always turn out the way we expect. Mine certainly didn't. You know, before we we got on air, we were talking about how, you know, my, my daughter that God gave us when she was 20, because she aged out of the foster system, basically, and got married and had a little girl, has now taken in four foster children. So I'm now a grandma to many when (laughs) a few years ago I was praying, God, give me a baby. So, So I think, you know, my heart was prepared for that outcome that was totally different. But really now I'd say even better because I had learned that hope isn't about a result. It's about a relationship. 
that, you know what, this is a very important topic because I think there's a lot of disappointed Christians out there. They had put their hope in something, in an outcome, and it hasn't happened. What would you say to them? Yeah, I think it is okay to grieve. It's okay to be frustrated and mad. And I certainly had my share of, you know, tears and tirades with God along the way. But I think we need to let God off the hook, you know, that just because he doesn't give us what we want, doesn't mean he isn't going to give us what we need. And again, it's putting our hope in him instead of what we think we want. You know, I love how the psalmist said, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, you know, and so many of the Psalms are laments. I mean, David is like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you are. (laughs) I don't like this. Like, you know, why is this happening? But then at the end, he's like, I still have hope. And I think that's how we can live, you know, that we don't walk around with, you know, smiles plastered on our faces and pretending everything's fine, but we don't live in despair either. We live in the middle. And I think that is very hard, but also very hopeful. Wow. That is so beautiful. Living in that in-between, I call it the mean time. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's not yes. easy. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, oh, you know, I sometimes wonder if part of my problem is I've just got such a tight timeline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that I think that the space between the prayer request and the answer should, you know, be, a, you know, a day or two. You know, I'll, I'll give God a week. But sometimes, sometimes that hope has to be a little bit more um, tenacious than just the immediate. Yeah. As you were looking at the names of the Lord, um, which ones really stood out to you? Well, there was one where, you know, one of the names of God is Morning Star. And I'd always kind of looked at the surface of that, like, okay, he brings light into our lives. Like, that's pretty, you know, evident. But I decided to look deeper into what that meant. And the morning star is actually the planet Venus. And it rises in the darkest part of the night just before dawn. So when God calls himself the morning star, he is saying, I will come into the darkest part of your story, into the secret places, into the heartache, into the places where it feels like there's no hope. I will come there. And when I do, you can trust that dawn is coming. And just knowing that extra layer of meaning was so powerful to me. And I just never considered it before. I love that. I love that. How how has that come true? Would you say like my both my children had struggled with infertility and it is such a hard hard journey. Um how did the Lord meet you along the way during that time? Yeah. Well, we early on in our journey, we had a miscarriage. And up until that time in my life, I was in my 20s. And I had been one of those people who said, all right, I'm going to make a plan and it's going to happen. And I have control of my life and all those things. And that completely stripped me of those notions. I realized I was not in control. I could not, you know, make anything happen. And that scared me because I'd also always thought I had to be okay. You know, I had to be fine. I had to hold it together. 
And after that happened, I remember going to our small group one evening, just feeling shattered. And we hadn't let anyone in yet on what was going on in our lives. And that night, I just knew like, I can't do this on my own anymore. And so we told them, you know, we've had this loss, we're on this journey. And I don't know why, but I expected people to be like, well, you know, you just need to be a good Christian. And why are you even telling us this? You know, there's harder things in this world. But instead, they just wrapped their arms around us and prayed for us and said, you know what? It's okay if you are not okay. And that was really transformational for me because I, they in that moment where Jesus was skin on to me. And I realized if they could love me that way, then God did too. And that was just a really freeing moment where he met me and said, it's okay. If you're not okay, mm. I'm going to love you and get you through this anyway. Wow. That is so, so huge. If we could wrap our heads around it, because I think when we don't feel like we're performing well, <laughs> yeah. we, feel, <laughs> we feel rejected by the Lord and and what a lonely place that is. I think that's probably been um, one of the sweetest things is to realize that a broken and contrite heart, he does not despise. He actually, our weakness is an invitation to a deeper relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. What other names meant something to you as you were studying them out? Well, related to what you just said, another one I found that I had looked deeper into was Cornerstone. You know, we hear that Jesus is our cornerstone. And my husband's a trained architect. So I went to him and I said, you know, what does this mean, Cornerstone? And he said in ancient times, they used to use a cornerstone where it held all the weight of the building. Like the whole building Mm. leaned into this cornerstone and it took it all. And because of the way we do buildings now, we no longer need that kind of cornerstone. But when those words were written, that was reality. And so just knowing that Jesus says, you know what, I will take all the weight. Like you can fully lean on me. I can handle your disappointment. I can handle your grief. I can handle your anger. I can handle this hard circumstance in your life. I can handle your addiction, whatever it is, just throw it all on me. It's not too much. And I think that's such a beautiful picture, too, that we tend to think, I have to be strong on my own. (laughs) I have to carry it all. And God is saying, you know what? The exact opposite is actually true. Like, put it Hmm. on me instead. Hmm. Wow. (laughs) It reminds me I had a chance when we went to Israel to go into the, the tunnel underneath the wall. And so you get to see like down to the foundation of Jerusalem. And there's this massive stone, like the size of a bus, mm. um, just huge, but it's underground. It's unseen. And and I think sometimes I put my hope and my stability in what's above ground, yeah. <laughs> what I can see rather than that cornerstone in that even though I'm shaken, even though the earth may quake, that we really don't have to fall apart, that we might feel like we're falling apart, but he holds us together. Yes. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, this is really rich, man. I I love that you are taking us deeper be, beneath the surface of the meanings of these words. What's another name? I want some more. <laughs> I want some more. 
Uh, let's see. What are some, I'm trying to think of some of my other favorite ones. I mean, there are also, you know, just the familiar ones, like Jesus is our shepherd. And I looked into what that meant too. You know, we are familiar with the 23rd Psalm, but I, I got this book about what it's like to raise sheep, you know, which is really right. funny. What kind of product recommendations that made come up on my internet from then on. People thought I'd suddenly become a sheep farmer, <laughs> but just even looking into that, like what sheep need. And one thing I remember is it said, if you are looking for sick sheep in your flock, don't look for the ones who are wandering off and trying to get your attention. Look for the ones in the very middle of the flock trying to seem invisible. Wow. And pretending they're fine. Because I guess that's what sheep do. Like they, to be sick or hurt is vulnerable. And so rather than trying to get the shepherd's attention or making themselves stand out where their need for help is apparent, they go right in the middle and try to pretend like everything is okay. Oh my word. And the role of the shepherd is to come in and get them, you know? Wow. To see what no one else sees. And, you know, isn't that what Jesus does for us? We're walking around, I'm fine, I'm good, you know? Mm. Too blessed to be stressed and all those things. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, I see you, girl. I see you right there in the middle. I know you're trying to hold it all together, but I'm coming for you. And I'm going to take care of you, even if you're not even really ready to admit that you need it. So I love that too. Wow. You know what? I, I sense that um, I sense that those words are ministering to several people right now. You're in the middle. You're right there. You're involved in church. You're busy serving Jesus, but you're hurting. And what a beautiful thing that takes, that brings a whole new level of meaning to he is our good shepherd. Yes. I love that. Cause I think sometimes we're like, oh yeah, he'll leave the 99 to find the one. Ah, oh, but he comes and he finds the one in the middle who yes, hasn't wandered yeah. off. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. Oh my goodness. This is so rich. <laughs> I can totally see myself using this, you know, each day or each week. This is so beautiful. Um, what else is God talking to you about right now? I think one thing he's really teaching me in this season is embracing rest that's very hard for me. I tend to be a try harder kind of person and feel like I need to prove my worth. And I feel like I'm in a season where he's trying to teach me that isn't necessary in order to be loved, that he wants to give us rest. And there's a verse in Psalms that says, he delights in the well-being of his servant. And Mm. that's such a great comfort to me, you know, because I think sometimes I can get the idea in my mind that I got to be wearing myself up for Jesus, you know, and that, you know, all there is to this Christian life is, you know, if we suffer, that's honorable, but you know, like any parent, which is another name of God, I wrote about how he's our father. Any good parent looks at their child and says, I delight in your well being." you know? And I think sometimes the godliest thing I can do is take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that that delights God too, when he's like, okay, 
you know, my child is resting, she's doing well. And then that equips us to love others. I mean, when I'm not doing well, it's a lot harder to love other people. But if I'm taking care of myself and slowing down and resting and getting what I need, then I'm a lot more loving in all the different areas of my life. And so that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I love that. You know, several years ago, I think it was, you and I talked about, you know, you were kind of going through that season where you felt like the Lord was calling you to a stillness. And um, and it was scary because as authors and, you know, online and everything, it feels like, well, I got to keep doing this. I got to keep showing up. And and you do it so well. I'll, I'll I just say to everybody who's listening, you really need to check out Holly online, her website, as well as um, the different places that she's available. I follow you on Facebook and um, you just do it so lovely. But there are. I I so admired and appreciated your willingness to obey him when it kind of went against the grain of and and a little bit fearful. What would you say to that girl who's like I, I can't stop moving, I can't stop doing because what if it all falls apart? I would say if you don't, you are going to fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know. I mean, that's the point I got to, and you know, I struggle with anxiety and depression off and on. I share that openly. It's not something I'm ashamed of because I just feel like if you're in a battle, all it means is that you're a warrior and there's no shame in being a warrior. So that's just part of my story. And when I'm exhausted, I'm a lot more vulnerable to that. And I think most women are that when we're pushing ourselves so hard out of fear, thinking that we can outrun everything that might catch up with us, our own inner struggles catch up with us. We can't outrun those things. And God wants to free us from feeling like we need to. And so I just, I remember talking to you about that. And since then, I feel like I've just been in a tremendous season of healing. Like my anxiety and depression are now in remission, which is a huge gift and answer to prayer. And God continues to open new doors. And yes, I have to show up and be faithful. That's part of the process. But I don't feel like it's all on me like I did before. It it feels like I'm living so much lighter. And that's something I want other women to experience too, because there's a time in my life where if someone had said that, I would have responded, yeah, 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 that works for you. But you know, not me. I'm not wired like that. I've got all this stuff going on. But it is possible. And I think it is what God wants us to possess in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the for that girl who's out there listening and she's going, yeah, but how do I do it? I mean, and I think it's probably a different different set of of uh, steps each one of us have to follow. But how do we discern what we are to continue doing? Because, like you say, we we still have to keep showing up, at least in the you know, like yeah. like doing dishes and cleaning the house or whatever. Yeah, but how yeah. how did you discern? what that looked like to slow down? Well, I think the first thing that all of us can do is tell at least one other person that we're not okay. You know, whether that's a trusted friend or if you have anxiety and depression like me, then I believe that needs to be a counselor and or your doctor. And so getting the people around you that are going to help you be able to even just pause and ask the questions that you need to. So start there, tell one person And then after that, just 
take some time for intentional thinking and praying and processing and ask God to remind you of who you're created to be. Because I think when we're in that striving state of being that we're trying to be whoever everyone else wants us to be, at least I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm an introvert. I mean, like an extreme introvert, like I score a hundred percent on those personality tests and I am in an extroverted industry. And so (laughs) I thought to live out my calling. Well, I have to act like an extrovert and that just wasn't working for me. You know, I was burning out and I had to go back and say, okay, who has God created me to be? How has he made me? And how can I do what he's called me to do as me, not as someone else? And so for that woman listening, asking, have I taken on expectations that God has never asked me to? And for me, I had taken on a ton of them. <laughs> I mean, a mm-hmm. ton of them. You know, your mama, my mama always says, if you can't be an example, be a warning. So I will be the warning. <laughs> say, <laughs> you know, we all need to pause and say, what are those expectations? And then asking like, God, which ones of those can I lay down? And yes, that can be hard and scary. But if someone's listening, just pausing and saying, what's one thing that I can say no to this week? Just one Mm -hmm. thing, because it's like a muscle, you know, we build it over time and it's really not saying no when we do that. It's allowing us to say a bigger yes to what God is actually calling us to. Mm -hmm. And so those are three steps. Maybe tell someone, pause and reflect, say one small no and go from there. I love that. I love that. Well, and it is it is interesting. You know, I, I mentioned how um, your God Size Dreams devotional really ministered to me. And I think there is something wired within all of us to want to do something significant, uh, to want to fulfill. Like I, one of my favorite verses is about David, that he fulfilled his purpose in his generation. And mm-hmm. it's like, Lord, I so want to fulfill that. But I don't want it to come out of this driven, uh, frantic search for meaning and for purpose, but to be an overflow, like you say, of of who we already are. How do we get, (laughs) I guess one of the things, I don't even know what question would follow that up with, but how do we let it be an overflow rather than something we force? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it means living out of our identity, you know, knowing who we are and knowing that we're loved. And I say that realizing that is still my core struggle and that I need to be reminded every single day of what's true. But I used to think rest was just walking away from something, but I now know it's walking towards someone and that we can be at rest and still be doing a lot. You know, there's that verse that we love that says, you know, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. So we're running, you know, and we're walking and yet we're not weary and we're not faint. And to me, that's what I think is supernatural God-given rest, that it's not that we're not doing anything or accomplishing things or chasing those dreams, but we have an inner rest inside us that we're not trying to get our identity or our worth from what we're pursuing. And that feels like the change to me. Like even right now, I have a lot of big dreams, you know, that I feel like God has given me, that he's now bringing me into another season. 
but I don't have that same sense of urgency and stress and anxiety on the inside. And that makes everything so much less tiring, you know, because I was wearing myself out and I'm sure along the way I will do it again. I mean, that's just my natural tendency. And Jesus will come get me in the middle of the flock and drag me back out and remind me all over again. But I feel like I know my way home a little bit more than before. Oh, I love that. I know my way home. I think that's so true. You know, I I keep thinking that after all these years, I should really have this down. And I, you know, and, and in so many ways, you know, the Lord has changed me. And I think it's important to recognize that and to count that, you know, like to really let that count the things that he's taught us, but how to keep, I guess the thing I've been praying is, Lord, show me how to do this out of your strength and not out of my own. And for me, that, that just means I, I have to stay connected to the vine. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got to tend that connection. What does that look like for you? That looks like every morning I wake up and I read a little scripture from this plan that I'm doing and write out the verses that stand out most to me right now. I'm in Psalms, which I love feel like I could just read that over and over again. And then I keep a gratitude journal, but I do it for the day before. So like this morning, I wrote what I was grateful for yesterday. Mm. So I just say, Lord, thank you for, and it's funny because in the moment, it's sometimes hard for me to see the things I'm grateful for. But if I have a little perspective in sleep, then I can see them a lot better. So that's the only kind of gratitude journal I've ever been able to be consistent with. And it also helps my mind get set for the day. You know, I love brain science and we all have a negativity bias. In other words, we notice what's negative more than the positive. It helps us survive. Like, you know, if a bear comes charging through the door, we're going to see the bear before we see the, you know, cute little puppy behind it, which is good for us. But in our day-to-day lives, we have to intentionally counteract that by focusing on what we're grateful for and who God is, you know, what Paul said about thinking about what's lovely. And so, especially as someone who struggles with anxiety and depression, I really need to do that as soon as I start my day. And then um, just connecting with other believers, whether they're my fellow writers, a lot of times I meet up with them at local coffee shops or my husband, we talk about our day and what's coming. And so having that time alone with God and then also intentionally having some people in my life to help cheer me on is really important. Uh, I found the same thing. It's, you know, like the Bible says, two are better than one, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is just so generous of God, isn't it? That he not only calls us to himself, but he does call us to community. And uh, I think sometimes we can get out there a little bit, a little lone ranger, um, And in his grace, he doesn't let that satisfy very long. And I find myself needing fellowship, needing the prayer of another believer to come alongside me. Uh, One of the things that I love, especially in that topic, is you've got a podcast, a new podcast called More Than Self-Talk, and you actually have two of your friends. What is that like? How are you guys enjoying that? Yes, it's actually more than small talk. And my two friends are local, Susie Eller, she's a writer and speaker, and Jennifer Watson, who is also a writer and speaker. Her first book is just out. So that's exciting. It's called Freedom. 
But we connected. And like you were talking about, we just said, we don't want to do this alone. You know, writing is a solitary activity. There's really no way around that. So we do have to spend time alone. But we don't want to do this journey by ourselves. And we decided to start really connecting. And then out of that, we started doing Facebook Live videos. And then out of that, we ended up partnering with our local Christian radio station to launch this podcast, More Than Small Talk. And so it's what it sounds like. It's us going deeper on issues that women want to talk about. And by issues, I mean what we've been talking about today, anxiety, perfectionism, receiving grace, all those things. So we kick off each episode with what we call a confession question. (laughs) And that means that we have to fess up to something in our lives, you know? So uh, one in February was, what's one of your most awkward moments? And then we talked about how awkwardness is inevitable when we try to find community, because that's the truth. So we do a lot of laughing and a lot of here's where we are. And then we also talk about what will help us with this and what's one step we can take today in that area and bonus points if it takes five minutes or less. So I hope <laughs> that it is both inspirational and practical and transformational and also a lot of fun because we have a lot of fun doing it. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, two amazing women. I Three amazing women right there. So I hope you guys will check that out. More than small talk. What, what do you wish every woman knew? I wish that every woman knew that she is loved as she is and has nothing to prove. Hmm. Okay. But that's hard. It is hard. That's why it's a wish, right? (laughs) (laughs) So how do we get there? I think one thing that we can do is as women, we need to tell each other that as often as we can. You know, I think the enemy tries to divide us as women and get us to, you know, compete or compare or hide from each other and all of those things. So I think telling the women in our lives, our mamas and our daughters and our sisters and our friends, looking them in the eyes and saying, you are loved. And I like you. (laughs) We -hmm. need to hear that too. And committing to be a person who does that for other people. I think that is probably the starting point. You know, of course we want to hear it. Of course we want to be told that ourselves. But I think for it to be something that all women experience, sometimes we've got to be the one to go first. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. I, I just actually had lunch with a friend and these last two years have been excruciatingly painful. She's walked through um, a really hard divorce and just kind of a dismantling of her life as she knew it. And She told me, she's been very honest about where she is, even, you know, even where she is in her walk with God. And she told me, yeah, you know, I know he's there, but I'm feeling a little distant. And it was so sweet because I just felt like this, just this kind of gift of faith rose up within me. And I I took her hand in mine and I looked her in the eye and I said, I'm not worried about you. Hmm. I'm not worried about you. I've I know, I know you got this. I know God's got you. And, um, and it wasn't like I'm an encourager so I can come up with some really, you know, sappy sweet stuff, but it came from a real true place in me where, you know, in the natural, I could be worried, but, but I just felt like 
God was saying, I'm at work. You can trust this. Plus, I know her. I know her heart. She's going through this horrible time, but I know who she really is. And I think if we could see that in each other rather than getting freaked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I can't, <laughs> unfortunately, I can't say that I'm always there because <laughs> just today I also kind of freaked out about another friend and where she's at. <laughs> but, but what a joy to be on this journey together. And, and you know, I think, I think a lot of us, we do get isolated and we maybe we're afraid of being honest and vulnerable. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe we're not a safe place to be honest and vulnerable. What has helped you as you kind of just figuring out who you are in the Lord and what he has for you? As far as connecting with others, like finding those safe places. Yeah. And just even just who you are in Christ. Cause I think right now she's, she's feeling so undone. Yeah. <laughs> and when she looks at her life, it looks like failure after failure mm. after failure. How do we find who we really are in the Lord? Yeah. I think that is a lifelong process, but I think going back to Thankfully, it's not about us at the end of the day. You know, it's about who he is and what he's done for us. And so, you know, in the moments when I feel pressure to do all the things and be all the things and have all the things, the most reassuring thing I've been doing lately is saying that simple prayer, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah. And then I tell myself, it's either Jesus or I'm toast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> because isn't that the gift of grace? Like, I mean, the whole, when we get, when I get worked up listing all the reasons why I might be good enough, but I'm not quite yet and thinking, how can I close that gap? Like really what I need is not convince myself that someday I am going to be good enough. It's to remind myself I, I never am, but it doesn't matter because Jesus has already said that's true regardless of what I do, you know? And so if someone is listening and thinking I'm undone, I would say, great, <laughs> you know, yeah. great. Like that's an excellent place to know you are and to just say, Jesus, I'm undone. But when you are on the cross, you said it was done. You said yeah. it was finished. And because of that, my life is not a failure. And the enemy would love to tell me that. He would love to tell me, God can't use you. You've messed up too much. You're falling short. All of those things. And you know why? Because the enemy of our souls knows that we are a force to be reckoned with in this world, not because of who we are in our flesh, but because of who is within us. And if he can convince us, one, that we're undone in a failure, or two, we need to run as hard as we possibly can to prove that's not true, then we are going to be distracted from what God actually has for us. And so I would just say, let's say, I'm not receiving that today. I'm Amen. not receiving that today because my identity is I am loved. God has a purpose for my life. I'm a complete mess, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you yeah. look in scripture... So many of the people he used, David, you know, all we have all these examples of people who are complete messes that we would never choose, much less call successful in their faith. And yet God did use them to change history. And so, you know, 
I I think that's the place we go back to is it's not about us. It's about Jesus and what he's done is enough. Amen. Amen. You know, that that's the the interesting thing as a good girl who so, so wanted to do everything right and to be perfect and never make a mistake. It's actually been the places of brokenness that I've invited God into mm-hmm. that he's used the most. Yeah. And, and it hasn't been my perfection or, and it even hasn't been, well, I struggled with this, but now I never struggle, but it, it's, it's, I struggle with this, but this is what the Lord is doing. And I yeah. think one of the sweetest things is to make peace with the process and that we are becoming like Him. Mm-hmm. That it isn't that magic wand instantaneous thing. It's this beautiful process and that the process is divine. And I think that's what I love most about your books is that it is you invite us to journey with you and you just keep pointing to Jesus in such a beautiful and winsome way. And I know it's because you've let him get his hands on you. And I I just thank you for that, Holly. Thank you for those words. I appreciate that. Would you mind just closing in prayer as we end this podcast? Lord, I just thank you that you say where two or more are gathered, you're there with us. And I believe that applies even invisibly over podcast airwaves and Joanna and I and whatever woman is listening to this right now, you are with us. And God, you know, it is hard to live in this world. It is hard to be human and we are messy and broken. And yet we are also wonderfully made and beloved. And we are paradox people. We live in the in-between and we thank you that you made us there. So I pray for whoever's listening right now that you would just show her that she is fully loved as she is, and yet you are calling her to more than she can even imagine. I pray against the voice of the enemy in our lives who would try to discourage and accuse and defeat us. I pray instead that we would listen to your voice of love, which builds us up and calls us on and reminds us of who we truly are. And God, we just thank you that we don't have to do this alone, that even if we never meet until heaven, that we have sisters who are fighting alongside us, who are cheering us on, who we can go to and say, you know what, I'm not okay today and be reminded of what's true and that we have you, Lord, our cornerstone, our morning star, our shepherd, the friend of our hearts. And we just thank you for that. And thank you for this time that we've gotten to have together today. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Holly. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Oh, man, that was such a sweet time with Holly. I kind of didn't want it to end. (laughs) So if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the conversation, I hope you'll share this episode with them. You can find links to the episode as well as links to Holly's books and her own podcast over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash zero one one. And I also wanted to give a special shout out to those of you who have been leaving reviews over on iTunes. Wow, it means a lot. Um, Especially thank you to Miss FTH Events. I don't know what your first name is, but thank you for taking time to write this review. 
She says, listening to Joanna feels like we're knee to knee in her living room, sharing life together. Amazing podcasts. Can't wait for more. Ah, thank you, FTH events. That means a lot to me. Hey, you guys, no matter what you're walking through right now, I hope you'll never forget that beautiful verse that Holly shared with us. God delights in the well-being of His servants. He loves you more than you can know, and He has good, good plans for you. So I hope you'll keep trusting Him. Keep holding tight to His hands, because He's right there beside you every step of the way. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.